Good morning, Buck Gunners. It is Sunday, December 29th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is Buck Nuts Almost Live, our in-season weekend podcast. The Ohio State Buckeyes go to the Fiesta Bowl and fall to Clemson 29-23 in a game that will be discussed for a long, long time. There were many calls. There were many plays. That, as I sit here right now, I have a hard time getting my mind around, so this will be a cathartic episode for me. I will be joined here in a moment by Bill Curlick, the Dean of Ohio State Recruiting. He's about to hit the road to do recruiting coverage, but we will discuss the game in detail. And then the people chant, Matt Baxendale will come on. I will essentially say go, and he will take it and run with it. Bill, welcome to the show. Tough morning for Buckeye Nation, but, uh, uh, you know, I guess, uh, uh reality is that uh, the season ended last night and you know it was a spectacular run of 13 wins in a row and in dominating fashion virtually every game and uh uh you know just a tough tough way to end the season uh in the desert on Saturday night my prediction for the game was Ohio State 40 Clemson 29 and as I sit here, I still feel very good about that prediction. I fully believe the game plan Ryan Day came up with was a 40-point game plan. Clemson scored 29 points, so we'll just leave that there. I think Clemson was initially taken aback by the strength of Ohio State's offensive line. But, and we will get into the refereeing side of things here, I love J.K. Dobbins. He's a warrior. He showed that last night. He played through an ankle injury. Unfortunately, those two drops he had, in my opinion, cost the Buckeyes eight points. Those eight points would have put them at 24 nothing. I think that would have changed the entire tenor of the game. Let's get to the officiating. Give your impressions on the targeting call. Obviously, it knocked Sean Wade out of the game. And then your impressions on the fumble return for a touchdown by the Buckeyes that was reversed. Well, before I get to those two real quick, I, I want to touch on something you said, Dan, at the very beginning. Um, and, and I I was uh, texting with a coaching friend of mine early in that game. I think Ryan Day all year long has had this team ready to play every game and has good has had good game plans. Last night, the first part of that game, I, I, I thought to myself, you know, Ryan Day might have outdone himself. They were so ready to play that football game, and the plan was working out so well. You know, it was uh, – I thought they were just exceptionally prepared and ready to play that game. It was – other than not getting into the end zone a couple times in the red zone, uh, that could have, like you said um, – uh, been a 24 to nothing game um part you know and not even two quarters old um things obviously changed dramatically on the targeting call so let's get into that but uh, the buckeyes were ready to play last night and they went in there uh, well prepared i will say that uh definitively uh as i mentioned you know one play uh, safe for not getting in the end zone uh in the red zone one play changed everything the targeting call and i i, I just have long felt that that is a bad rule um you know 
it's just too easy, so to speak, to be thrown out of a football game in the college uh, world. It just, you know, uh, I thought Joel Klatt of Fox had a very appropriate tweet on that last night about what you need to confirm all elements of targeting, and I encourage our readers to to go look at what Joel Klatt tweeted, what you needed to confirm uh, 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 I just I just thought he had a, a good take on everything um, uh, uh, that happened, and I, I would encourage our readers to see what Joel Klatt tweeted on that. So uh, again, just I think that targeting, and I've said this for uh, some time, it needs to be changed. Um, you don't want your best players thrown out of a game unless it absolutely warrants it, and that did not, in my opinion, absolutely warrant uh, Sean Wade or if it was a Clemson player, a Clemson player being ejected from the game. Uh, the inter- interception touchdown that uh, Jordan Fuller picked up, uh, if that was called on the field an incomplete pass, I don't think you could have overturned it. Uh, and if it's called on the field a completed pass which it was i don't think it should have been overturned again uh it's supposed to be indisputable evidence and i don't think there was any indisputable evidence uh to overturn that call and um uh i i just think that it should have stayed um did those two plays lose the game for ohio state we don't know for sure uh we don't know what would have happened if, if those plays would have not been switched would ohio state have still won the game or would they have won the game, I should say? Um, I think they would have, but I don't know that for sure. So I can't say that those two plays lost the game, but there is absolutely no question they were huge factors. So for the targeting, here's my opinion. It's so random that the rule is terrible. That play occurred, and Sean Wade was ejected based on how tall he is and how tall Trevor Lawrence is. That can't be the determining factor. There has to be some legislated intent in there. It's very clear that's not an intentional targeting. Guy turns his shoulder and sits down before the hit. Wade is going full speed. He's even you know, blocked from the quarterback vision-wise for a split second there. So that play was completely unfortunate. I understand the rule. And, yes, his helmet did make contact with Lawrence's helmet. But there has to be some common sense involved in there. Unless we forget. We don't play as well when Sean Wade's not on the field. Amir Reap's a nice player. He's not Sean Wade. They got an interference calling him a play or two later. That was major, major. As far as the catch by Ross on the sidelines and then the fumble, the explanation that he didn't turn upfield or make a football move, he was being pushed backwards at the time. So Okuda's not supposed to defend him as closely? That doesn't make any sense to me. That is a catch and a fumble, and there's no disputing it. I don't care what anybody tells me. That's the one that killed him, in my opinion, from a referee standpoint. And, Dan, I might I might add to that. Um, as you watch it, the ball was caught near head level, um, maybe slightly above eye level, um, and it was caught with two hands, and he was bringing, you know, he brought the ball down almost to his um, waist area. Uh, as he control, totally controlled the ball and bought, brought the ball down pretty much to the waist area before it was knocked loose from his hands. I mean, he absolutely caught that ball and brought it in 
to his body before it was knocked out. Like you said, it was called a fumble on the field, and the ref is standing right there. Perfect view of it. That, he absolutely had a perfect yeah. view. So to overturn that is is a double whammy there. It's not just the call. It's the fact that they, the process was abused. You know, that's going to be hard to sit on. Here's what I also will say. Let's not get on the air anymore, anybody, and talk about a talent imbalance or anything. Ohio State absolutely has the horses to run with Clemson. I would make an argument they have more talent. They just didn't play as well in certain spots. And then we also have the referees. Bell, let's move on here. I will let Bax take it and run with it from there. You are hitting the road tomorrow. Tell people why. Got a big all a big all American game tomorrow. Uh, start of it for the week, um, and I should also say that uh, uh, there's an all American game that has already started for the week. In that it was check in day on Saturday for the Under Armour game in Orlando, and there are four Buckeyes at that game, four future Buckeyes at that game. Um, there are nine future Buckeyes at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio, Texas, which uh, I will be there in San Antonio on Monday morning for check-in day there. Uh, as I said, nine future Buckeyes. So right now, High State has 24 signees in their 2020 class. And um, of those 24 signees, 13 of them are in either the All-American Bowl in San Antonio or the Under Armour Bowl in in, in uh, Orlando. Um, quite impressive, the two major All-American Bowls, 13 of the 24 Ohio State signees are playing in those games. So we'll have um, uh, all the action from check-in day there all day tomorrow, Monday. Uh, practice starts on Tuesday. We'll have live updates from the practices Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday um, from San Antonio. And as I said, nine Buckeyes there and one Buckeye target, Jameer Gibbs. So uh, uh, there will be plenty of uh, things to see and read and watch on Bucknuts over the next few days in regards to future Buckeyes. Hopefully that will serve as a positive distraction. We appreciate the Dean stopping by. Have a great Sunday, Bill, and have a safe flight. Take care, Dan. Hold on to your hats. We'll be back with the People's Champ. We are back. Matt Baxendale is here. Bax, I trust. Uh, No visit from the authorities last night. Nothing uh, I'm going to read on the Internet. No, no, just lots of sad reactions and upset people, but yeah, there was the, there were no shattered TVs or anything in my neck of the woods. I discussed my vibes on most of the key points with Bill, uh, knowing that uh, this is going to be your spot here to vent. Generally speaking, and I kind of caught you up here before we came on, the Dobbins drops combined with the two calls, to me, created the atmosphere for the loss. Very impressed with the game plan. I thought it was a 40-29 game plan. Your thoughts on Ohio State's approach to the game and how things went down? If you take the controversy out of it, which obviously it's hard for a lot of us to, Ohio State lost this game. Clemson came out and didn't make mistakes, and Ohio State absolutely did. Uh, That 16 nothing score should have been 24 nothing at worst. But let's be very honest here about it. This is a game where Ohio State had every opportunity to knock them out in the first round. And they let them off the canvas 
and then they ended up losing on the full 12 rounds. And the truth is that that Dobbins play where, you know, they overturned it and probably was a drop, but it was borderline. That's four points right there. Uh, they had multiple other opportunities on different drives to score touchdowns. The first drive of the game, they got down to the, um, of the six yard line on that insane Garrett Wilson catch. And then they ran twice into the boundary, had an incomplete and had to kick a chip shot field goal. I mean, you can't kick field goals from the three yard line multiple times against Clemson and expect to walk away victorious. Uh, but here's the truth. It wasn't just those missed opportunities early that hurt them. Um, this is a Buckeye team that had their chances later in the game numerous times. And uh, let's let, let's not forget, in the fourth quarter, they had a six-plus-minute drive with a two-point lead. They got down to the 40-yard line, and then they stalled out. And on fourth and four, they decided to punt it from inside the 40 uh, after scoring a touchdown on fourth and two previously. And Ryan Day's aggression, I, 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 I do have to wonder. If that's not one he's not going to want back, going back through all the, the film. But that also set up a really beautiful punt, got them down to the six-yard line, and what happened? Four plays, 94 yards. Four freaking plays, 94 yards. This defense, which played overall very well for most of the game, utterly, completely collapsed. I don't, I don't, care. I, I don't care who you're playing against. You do not give up a 94-yard touchdown drive with four plays. Uh, that's just insanity. And that's the biggest moment of the year for the defense, and they utterly failed that at the test. Um, and as good as Chase Young is, he did not have a big impact on the game again. And got to call a spade a spade. Mid-season, Chase Young was racking up three or four sacks a game, right? Hadn't happened the last couple of games. I mean, that's just the blunt truth. You can say it's a scheme. You can say it's whatever. You know, Chase Young got to the quarterback, I can think of one time, and that was whenever he got face masked and then tackled the guy uh, with Sean Wade on that game-changing play. Um, but even then, OSU got the ball back. They drove the ball the whole way down the field in that last drive. And if you don't think that Ohio State was going to score on that drive, if you were telling yourself, wow, they're going to do it, you're lying. They showed a shot of uh, Trevor Lawrence on the sideline whenever the interception happened. And all of them looked utterly morose until the pick happened. Uh, that was the same as uh, the infamous uh, Russell Wilson pass from the one-yard line that got picked off. And there's the video of Tom Brady sitting there like, damn it, I'm about to lose the Super Bowl. And then he jumped up in sheer relation at the, uh, the, the, the luck that came their way. That's what that last drive was. And Fields, Fields did everything right. And then, you know, there's two things about that last play. One, if he looks – Right back at Jacob Dobbins, throwing the 10 yards, and Dobbins gets that ball down the 10 yard line. Uh, two, if Olave just follows through on his route, that's at worst a 50 50 ball, potentially a touchdown. Uh, it just, it's shit luck on that play. It's the only way to put it that Olave didn't, didn't think that he was continuing his route and broke off the scramble. I mean, that's just horrible luck. And in a year where Fields threw a total of three interceptions, at least two of them were a result of route mistakes. And that unfortunately came at the absolute worst time. So there's some significant controversy about this game. Absolutely. Uh, but it should also 
not be controversial whatsoever. And this is how I led the bucket of bullets off. Ohio State cost themselves this game, even with the horrifying officiating. Let's break down each play. The officiating on the targeting call and the officiating on the Okuda strip, allegedly. <laughs> it's easy to break it down. The refs got the call wrong on both. Uh, the targeting call was a beautifully called delayed blitz by Sean Wade off the edge. Uh, the refs also missed Chase Young getting face masked, illegal hands to the face on that play, um, whenever he got to the quarterback right after Wade did. And Trevor Lawrence ducked. Let's be real honest. He felt the sack coming and ducked, and that allowed Wade, who was about to hit him in the stomach and chest area, uh, to have the top of the crown of his helmet hit him in the chin. That's not targeting. That's a tackle. That's insane. And not only was it uh, a play where it was 16 nothing, and Ohio State's about to get the ball back. And by the way, if Ohio State gets the ball back there, um, I, I firmly believe that game's over. Clemson has nothing going into half. And uh, that, that, that play directly gave – OSU went on tilt, which, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. But I can tell you everybody around me immediately went on tilt after seeing that call. That's fourth and 15 and a punt. And instead, one of your first-round cornerbacks gets ejected from playing football. That's an egregiously bad target. That reminds me of the Joey Post ejection in the Fiesta Bowl a couple of years ago where he hit a guy in the stomach with his head, and they called it a targeting call. And the worst part about it was all these bad calls go back to that replay efficient. Because on the field, J.K. Dobbins, that touchdown was a touchdown where they said he dropped it and hit the ground. On the field, the officials called that a, a sack. And Trevor Lawrence laid there forever, but somehow didn't have to go through concussion protocol. I don't know what was up with that, by the way. Um, and while he was Trevor, or while Trevor Lawrence was laying there, like the official in the booth wanted to make sure that if Lawrence got knocked out, then they at least did not call it. And that that's just it was a horrific replay call by the uh, by the replay reviewer. And to be candid, this isn't those of us Ohio State related furious about this. There were a lot of people across the internet who were like, "That's that's the call, the biggest moment of the game." That's the most impactful penalty since the holding penalty on Miami in, in, in the Fiesta Bowl in overtime. That utterly, completely changed the course of the game and then there's really no excuse for that one. And then the other one, like I, I, I literally didn't think I could see a worse and more impactful call. That incomplete pass replay over return is it makes me question what that replay official was doing. Uh, it, it was reminiscent of the infamous Illinois game in 2007 to me where the replay reviewer didn't even buzz down. And then we found out later that the Big Ten fired the officiating crew because they had gambling debts and had multiple suspicious calls. Like, it, it, it was so bad that it made me question the legitimacy of the, the replay official. The guy caught the ball and took four steps with it. If that's not a catch, like, what is he supposed to do? Just dance a jig and go up while he's dancing New York, New York, and the, oh, while Buc- the Buckeyes let him run upfield for three yards? Like, I caught it in his hands at eye level, wiggled it up and down from waist to his head while taking four steps, and then fumbled. 
That's six points off the board, seven points off the board for OSU there directly. And for all I said at the start here about how Ohio State cost themselves this game, if those two calls go the other way, Ohio State's playing LSU, and there's no debate about it. So, yes, Ohio State should have won the game, but the officials certainly made the game the difficulty level in a game that was already a 10 and turned it up to 12. Those were two calls where you can rightfully, and we're going to be sitting here the whole offseason mad about them. I, I had trouble sleeping last night. I was so mad. This is maybe the best Ohio State team in my life. And they were beating the crap out of Clemson. They dominated them in the trenches. And the first call flipped the game on its head. And by the way, that call alone wasn't just bad. It was the fact that they lost Sean Wade and multiple times in the game. Had Sean Wade been on the field, the defense would have been different. That's not Josh Proctor getting juked out of his shoes by Trevor Lawrence late in the first half. That's Jordan Fuller coming to make that tackle, but they had to move Fuller elsewhere because of the, the personnel issue. Uh, and, and by the way, they also called a, a pass interference call uh, on Amir Reap after that. That was really bad, but we don't we, let's not get too ticky-tack here on it. There were some just blatantly bad officiating decisions, all of them initiated by the replay official. Uh, and I Googled the guy, and the first thing that comes up is, Stuff like this from SEC games where the favorite SEC team gets incomprehensible replay reviews. So I don't know how the hell an SEC officiating crew got this game in the first place. Shouldn't it be the AAC or the Mountain West or someone who doesn't have a a, a stake in this game? And I just, this, the, the officials last night, for everybody related to Ohio State to be the story. Uh, even the national, Terry McCauley, who is well-known and respected as one of the best officials and, and officiating coverage people uh, consistently on the Internet, said that this was that, that, that scoop and score that was taken away from Ohio State was literally the worst overreach he's ever seen from a replay official and should absolutely not have been overturned. So there's, there's an easy way to feel about this game, and that's just this is where I am. Did Ohio State cost themselves the game? Absolutely. Did they also kind of get screwed? Absolutely. And if just one of those two things had changed, Ohio State's playing LSU. And I certainly don't think the better team won last night. As you were chatting there, I could not help but be reminded of a Steve Young quote, which was, each time you kick a field goal, you get a little closer to losing. And that is a fact. I cannot tell you how many times I've been rooting for my team in football where you dominate the first quarter, the first two drives, end with field goals. The other teams comes, rallies, comes back, gets a touchdown at 7-6, and you're demoralized. Secondly, what the blank is up with replay where we ended the NFC Championship game last year with an inability to use replay correctly, and then we end essentially the same type of game this year in college football with an inability to get it right. You know, adding in replay is supposed to help you get it right, and instead, in a championship-level atmosphere, they've blown it. Third, I'm not a complicated human being. I'm not a doctor or a lawyer because I do not have the grades. I have been covering football for 30 years. That's a catch. If you catch the ball with two hands, take two steps, try and turn your shoulders upfield, and a guy strips you, that's a fumble. And you can tell by the way dude reacted. He knew it was a fumble too. Ohio State did blow it, but they had a lot of help from the refs. 
As you put this season to bed, Bax, leave the fans with a little something here as they head into a week that will not be easy to deal with. I don't even know what to offer on that one. I mean, it certainly was – it still hurts too much to, to post-mortem this season and point out all the obvious great things about it because this was the type of season that was supposed to end with, with the national championship trophy. Uh, you know, we, we won the Big Ten again this third straight year. Ryan Day clearly established himself as an absolute stud as a head coach. I mean, he's he's 19-1, and one, and that one is going to always be one that we're going to be looking at like, really? Um, the Let's face it, uh, the, the, the bludgeoning of our rivals up in Ann Arbor was amazing. Um, this was a, this is a Buckeye team that was as good as we've ever seen. And I think we're going to look at this team forever, like we do 2015, 2005, uh, 1998. The team that there's no way in hell this team shouldn't have won the title. Uh, there, there's just there, there's there's no reason that we're going to remember this team as the best team in America, and it somehow didn't win the championship. Uh, I I can tell you that scoop and score play is going to go down in history for us. It's, as just uh, uh, one of the dark moments in OSU history. That, that's the problem right now is, is that it's hard to come out of this, you know, and talk about all the great things about Ohio State football whenever this is a once-a-year chance we're going to get. And once a year for Ohio State, it's really been three years since they were last in the playoffs. Uh, and it's been five now since they've won the thing. And every year that gets further away, every great opportunity that you have that gets away it's it's hard but where this is going to go and i will say this uh last night's game is going to be the entire theme of the 2020 season it's going to be trevor versus justin i remember those old dan versus dave commercials from the 80s and 90s of the olympic guys it's going to be trevor versus justin it's going to be the the lens of uh, the number one and number two recruit in the country. We grew up 20 miles in the whole story we heard last night. They're going to be top two picks in the NFL draft, right? They're going to be two guys for the highest. There's going to be an inevitable rematch between these guys. If Clemson goes out and wins the national championship again, it's going to be is Fields the only one who can stop Trevor Lawrence from, from becoming the first quarterback to win three national championships. That's your whole season storyline next year. And, Look, Ohio State, is, uh, we could get into what they're going to be replacing. And uh, it kind of really makes me sick to think that the defense is losing some of these guys again. Um, but the whole storyline for the 2020 season is going to be Trevor versus Justin. That's all we're going to hear about. And, you know, if, if if the football gods have a Shakespearean sense of humor, they will play again next year. And I don't know if there's a school right now that I want to beat more than Clemson. I don't think Ohio State's ever played anybody four times and not beat them. Like maybe like, you know, the Ohio Military Institute in 1891 or something. I don't know. But Ohio State has now lost four times in gigantic games to Clemson. And all of them coming out of it have been momentous for various reasons. And, I think Ohio State's entire offseason is going to be built around trying to get a chance to correct what happened last night. And for the rest of us, we're going to be having to deal with the shock, the heartbreak of all of this for a while. 
this one's not going to get any better as time passes. This one's only going to be – it's going to be an open wound for a long time, and it's not going to really fully heal until Ohio State wins the championship again. As all Bucknutters know, you have to put your heart on the line to get anything, and our hearts have been broken, but the Buckeyes will be back. So we'll back next week. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Nutters.